0: Hey, it's Scott Petrick with another episode of the Browns Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. The week has been busy for the Browns. Jadavian Clowney resigned. HBO's Real Sports did a story on the accusations against Deshaun Watson, and OTAs began. Here to discuss it all and start a long Memorial Day weekend is Dave Chodowski of Go, the WKYC Morning News. How's it going, Chud?
1: Scott, man, I am loving the fact that it's the unofficial start to summer, right? I mean, technically summer doesn't start till, till June, what 20th, 21st, mm-hmm. but I mean, Memorial day weekend, that's when you start really feeling it. So, and you know, what's crazy is that even though summer hasn't even started, this is where it really starts to feel like the football season is closing in. Like it's not going to be that long until training camp starts. And it's the first game of the year. It's going to be here before you know it. I don't want to wish summer away. But that's just the facts.
0: I know you're scaring me, Chud. I thought that. I was looking at the calendar, and I was like, okay, it flips to June next week, and I got to be in Berea every day starting about July 27th. We don't know the official schedule for training camp, but it's all it'll be around there, 27, 28. That means I got less than two months, right? It's, we're taping yep. this Thursday at um, 4 o'clock. It's May 26th. So I have two months before my life gets devoted and completed to the Browns which just means I got to get outside and play some more golf. That's what that means.
1: <laughs> but, you know, but what I was thinking the other day is your life is just always devoted to it because I, I was driving home from work the other day, listening to some sports radio. And I'm like, man, the drama never goes away with this team. The story I mean, I, I gotta tell you, it, it's almost annoying every day to turn on and just have to hear Baker Mayfield, Deshaun Watson. I know that's what people want to hear, but I mean, you know, will there ever come a day where we're talking about, well, if they just make this one move, they're going to go to the Super Bowl, or if, this, you know, you're talking about something different and maybe they're closing in on that with, with Watson being the quarterback and the talent they have, but you know what I mean? It seems like it's the never ending cycle.
0: Uh, I'm with you. I, I yeah, I, I think you're right. And I'm in the middle of that. Um, I do think there's been periods where the drama has died down, but when you take yeah. a step back and you look at, the overall, whatever, last 22, 23 years, um, there's certainly a through line of dysfunction and drama. And when it resurfaces, then it's easy to go, the drama's back. And I get it. Like there's some, there's certainly plenty of truth to that. So, uh, you know, and we've talked about this. So much depends on the potential suspension of Watson for how this year on the field plays out. Um, You know, I don't think, the drama or the questions or the, the emotions involved with the Watson trade go away. Um, But at least when there's resolution to that, assuming there is resolution, um, then the focus will shift more toward football and, you know, conceivably less drama, but you're right. And especially when there's no game to be played for a while, I think um, it's kind of fertile grant fertile ground for speculation and drama and, And talk that's not only about football because there's plenty of non-football talk to be had.
1: Before we get to the real sports, I I probably get this question asked to me every day, and I'm not even in the sports department anymore, so I'm sure you get it multiple times a day. People want to know, when is the decision finally going to come down? Do you have any pulse on that? You you know, you keep hearing June, July. Do you think that the NFL will go ahead and and make a decision – before anything is decided in civil court, because the civil the civil trial, this could bleed in till not even start until next year. Right. Or it, it could yeah. go a long, long time.
0: So, yeah, I mean, I don't think they are going to start. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. So. So do you think the NFL will make a decision based just on what they know before that civil trial? And they'll feel like they have enough to go on that. He did enough to you know, break their rules or however you want to say it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's the big question. I do think that the NFL will feel the need to make a decision before this season. And Watson's lawyer, his main lawyer, Rusty Harden, has indicated that in interviews, and he was on 92.3 this week. that um, he thinks there's going to be some decision from the NFL at some point this summer. doesn't know June, July, August, but at some point to make a decision on whether or not Deshaun Watson gets punished. Um, now the question for me is, can you make a complete decision given the fact that these civil lawsuits and there's still 22, aren't going to be decided until at least 2023, right? Both sides have agreed no trials from August 1st to March 1st. I know that the plaintiffs wanted to get a trial started in July, but it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. So I don't think the league wants to go into this season. With a marquee player, Deshaun Watson, certainly a marquee player, right? He's a three-time Pro Bowl quarterback. I don't think they, w- I don't think the league wants to go into the season with this cloud of uncertainty hanging over Deshaun Watson. And Roger Goodell removed the idea of putting him on the commissioner's exempt list be- after the grand juries didn't indict Watson. So therefore, I think there's pressure on the league to make some sort of decision. Now, what I think could happen is the league. Suspend him for whatever number of games to start 2022. I don't know what that number could be. Is it four? Is it six? Is it eight? Is it 12? I don't know. I think it could be anything. Because I I really think these allegations are serious. Plenty of people would disagree with me. There's a certain level, and we'll get into this with the HBO stuff, but there's a huge level of he said, she said involved in this. But I, I think the NFL could suspend Watson and add an addendum that he could be punished again later depending on if anything new comes to light in the civil lawsuits. Um, I think that'd be an unusual ruling, but I think it's one that the NFL could do because they feel like they need to act now, but they don't want to act like everything is known now when conceivably we could have 22 trials with a lot of testimony happen next year.
1: Could there be a scenario where they say, you know what, we're just going to wait until... the the, the trials play out, or
0: do you think that they'll, you know, do something before that? There is. I I think there's three big scenarios, right? They could do what I just said, which is punish him with a caveat. They could, well, I mean, they could not punish him. So there's that. So there's two. Or they could say our punishment is over. We do, the league does whatever it does in 2022 and says that's it. And then the fourth one is they don't do anything right away and they wait until Um, resolution of these civil lawsuits. I I think all those are on the table. Uh, What feels most likely to me is assuming there is a punishment and I don't know there will be a punishment. The league could decide that um, no punishment is warranted, but if there is a punishment, I think the two likeliest are 2022 with a caveat or 2022 period. Um, I I just don't think, I, I just don't think the league, wants to go into the season without any decision on Deshaun Watson. I could be wrong about that, but that's how I feel about it. All right, let's get to real
1: sports on HBO. Did you watch it, and what are your takeaways?
0: Yeah, I watched it a couple of times, unlike um, Kevin Stefanski, which um, <laughs> didn't, didn't, like, that didn't sit well with me. Why wouldn't he watch it? it? It's his player, right? It's a big deal. The Bronx is an organization that have acknowledged the gravity of these accusations, wouldn't you think that's a big deal to watch? And I get it. Maybe by just saying I didn't watch it, you think that keeps you from answering questions about it, right? If you you said I did watch it, then you could be asked, well, you know, did you think the accusers were legitimate? Did you believe their stories? So I understand why he didn't, um, but I don't like that he didn't. If he truly, in fact, didn't, I don't like that he didn't. Um, So, yeah, I I watch it twice. You know, there's a lot there. If you had read all the – lawsuits which i have then there's not a lot new there right i've read the accusations i've read um what they lay out which what was new for me was um deshaun watson's lawyer at the end leah graham and then just getting the putting the face with the lawsuits from the two women and you know i I think there's a lot of subjectivity to this where do you say do you look at the accusers and say yes they're believable you know i'm not saying that that is standard from one person to the next. Um, The same holds true for Watson. The same holds true when you listen to the lawyers. Do I believe this lawyer? Do I not? Um, You know, I I thought the the women came across as credible. I thought the questions were, you know, serious toward them. You know, the one woman got asked why she continued to keep in contact with Watson. And I thought she gave a legitimate answer. It makes sense to me that, hey, I didn't want this guy sabotaging my business she goes, I gave him the runner around. I never saw him again, but I gave him the runner Um, So, you know, I, I thought the tears were legitimate. Both women cried during the episode. I understand if people don't believe that. You know, I think it's a lot of this, Chud, I, I'd like to hear your opinion on this, is kind of how you enter into it, right? Um, do, you, do you kind of have a default line of, yes, I believe the accusers versus, yes, I believe Deshaun Watson? I think that probably affects how you, um, how you consume that story in those interviews. But, you know, I mean, I came out of there thinking, yeah, I mean, these women seemed emotional. I don't think there was anything about their stories that I thought there were huge holes in them that um, Watson's lawyers could poke.
1: I think the only thing that's been confusing for me, and you make a great point, I think that the big thing that came out of this was just seeing them visually talk about it. And that, that's a great point by you. I guess the thing, uh, there's two things. This is one in Watson's favor and one against him. And the one that's against him is that, man, if I didn't do something and I had all these people saying I was, I'd be like screaming on the street saying, this is no way I did not do this. Like, I mean, and I know he did come out and say he didn't do it, but I mean, he's doing everything to protect himself in the court of law. Right. I mean, but I don't know. It just, it, am I wrong there? Like, don't you feel like if someone was being accused by this many people, there'd be more um, like, listen, this is ridiculous. I, I can't believe this. And I don't know, maybe that's just uh, a human emotion. Uh, On the other end of it though, man, he didn't get charged in the criminal court. And, and that, that right there is like, that's a, a positive on his side.
0: Well, it certainly is, and, and I'll talk about that part first. Is and that's what his legal team continues to go to, right? And Rusty Harden, he did a podcast. He went on ninety two three, like he was strong about that. Hey, the fact that he wasn't indicted is huge. He feels like that eliminates two of the three "quote unquote" forcible acts that are in these lawsuits, um, forced sex, and he thinks that those are eliminated. It really. It it, it remo- in his eyes, and I disagree with this because I've read the personal conduct policy of the league. But he thinks that removes a potential for punishment if there's not forcible um, sexual assault. And, and I think the league, I think the league has way more wiggle room than that. And if they felt like this was a pattern of behavior that even didn't meet "quote unquote" assault, I think the league could still discipline Deshaun Watson. But certainly, Rusty Harden and Deshaun Watson. Are pointing heavily and often at the no indictments. Now, countering that, if you talk to experts in the sexual assault realm, they'll tell you that that doesn't necessarily mean anything. That a guy, that someone wasn't indicted. That it's a lot of it's based on the prosecution. And if the prosecutor doesn't feel he or she can win the case, then a lot of times they don't want to, an indictment because then they wind up losing the case. So I don't think that's an end-all be-all like, Hey, he wasn't indicted. That means he's innocent. Um, I think it's obviously good for him, but I don't think you can take it as a hundred percent, a hundred percent ruling or a hundred percent proof of innocence. Um,
1: Plenty of times, plenty of times, Scott, you've seen people, uh, you know, win in the criminal trial or, uh, you know, not, not guilt or, not be Fine. guilty and criminal, and then come back in civil court and be guilty.
0: Correct. I mean, you know, OJ is the biggest example of that, right? Um yeah, but, right. but even the, like the lack of an indictment, you hear this ham sandwich thing. Well, if you wanted to, you can indict a ham sandwich. But you can only do that if the prosecutor wants to indict the ham sandwich, right? So that's the question. And I don't have that answer. And I'm trying to get more information on that, whether or not the prosecutor felt like, This isn't a case I can win. This isn't a case we're trying. So I'm not even going to try to indict it. I mean, I think it was Tony Busby on the radio, or maybe it was one of the accusers, Ashley Salise, on the HBO, but said they only talked to one of the accusers. Only one of the accusers went before the grand jury. So it's not like they had, they listened to 22 stories, right? So it's selective um, evidence given to the grand jury. And I know that... um, the in- criminal investigators felt there was enough to have to take it to a grand jury, right? So um, I'm not saying there's no gray area, but I also think it's wrong to just say because he wasn't indicted that means he's innocent. And when you talk about Deshaun Watson not screaming from rooftops, I think that's difficult. I think the more he's in front of a camera, the tougher it gets. I think it creates a chance for you to say something you don't mean. You're not under oath. It's it's a tough spot. Not that I don't I want to talk to him all the time, right? from a quarterback's perspective and from a legal perspective. And he hasn't talked since that introductory press conference, May twenty or March 25th, but his lawyer and lawyers are now out there much more publicly, right? Within the last week, I mentioned the podcast, the radio show, HBO, Real Sports. So I feel like that is the lawyers coming out and trying to defend Deshaun Watson as much as they think they can without yeah. putting him in front of microphones.
1: Yeah, good points to that last thing on this uh, and, and you go back to Stefan saying he didn't watch it you know you you see people react cuz you know he said that they did a thorough investigation yet people will find out yeah but, but you know they didn't talk to uh, all, all sides and, yeah. uh, of the story right yeah,
0: they didn't talk to any of the women and they didn't talk yeah. to the, and they talked to the women's lawyer um and right. the plaintiff so you know the bronze explained that by saying their legal their lawyers told them not to um it could be a conflict, or it could be, an, you know, it's a it, it's a time it was an ongoing criminal investigation. There's a league investigation. I don't know if I buy that. The league talked to the women during the criminal investigation, so you know I understand why they would say that. I don't think. I think it's impossible to get the full picture without talking to the women. So I know the Browns say they did the due diligence and they had investigators and they did a bunch of research, and I don't doubt that. But I feel like there's a hole. If you don't talk to the women.
1: Sure. All right. So OTAs this week, media session was, let's see, today's Thursday. Media session was yesterday on Wednesday. Uh, Watson did not talk as we've mentioned, but he was out there practicing. I know it's just OTAs, but all reports are is that he looked pretty good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't able to go. We have some medical stuff going on in my house, but um, I talked to a bunch of people were there and Watson threw great. And he looks like, I mean, it looks like the franchise quarterback you think, or you, you know, he is right. Wherever that is. And we can have this, this, I want to have this discussion on another pod, Judd, um, just where he ranks. And it's so hard because he hasn't played in a while, right? He didn't play at all last year. Um, but at one point, you know, at the end of 2020, I would have said he's a top five quarterback. Now you start looking at the rankings. Is he top eight? And this is not, has nothing to do with what I'm saying. It's just a thought that popped in my head this week. Um, but, yeah, he, he looks like the quarterback he's supposed to be. He looks like a three-time Pro Bowler, um, can move, big arm, uh, all those things that um, made the Browns pull off a controversial trade, give up three first-round draft picks, and agree to pay him $230 million because he looks like – because he is a big-time quarterback. And that was yeah. the first time any reporters got to watch him practice in a Browns uniform and you know said it was obvious how talented he is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I would almost, I would say you could even say top three when, when uh, he was playing last. I mean, that's how good he was that year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll debate and discuss that uh, next time. Uh, we'll get back to the OTAs, but let's close like the Watson uh, area here with Baker Mayfield and, and what's the latest there.
0: Yeah. Obviously he wasn't at OTAs, no surprise there at all. Um, the question will be, does he show up for mandatory mini camp in June? Yeah. Um, you know, Bronx can excuse him, but they can't tell him to stay away. Does he want to show up? Can they work something out where he doesn't get fined and doesn't show up? Can they trade him before then, right? They still got two or three weeks before mandatory minicamp. And I do feel like that's one of the kind of tipping points when we talk about um, when he could be traded is get him out of here before mandatory minicamp because you save yourself some distraction and drama. Does he show up? Does he not? Um, if you can trade him before then, I think that would benefit everybody. Um, but I don't know. You know, I, I don't have a sense that anything's imminent. You know, you, you hear rumblings. You know, I still think Carolina makes sense, makes the most sense. I don't think they're out of it, even though they drafted Matt Corral and didn't make the trade during the draft. Um, but it's just wait and see. And I don't know if there's any sense of urgency from anybody across the league except the Browns and Baker Mayfield.
1: Sure. And if they do trade them, you got to figure they're going to have to pay a lot of the salary, right?
0: Yeah, I don't know what that number is. I don't know if it's, you know, it's 18.86, right? So call it 19. Is it 9? Is it 10? Is it 13? Like, I mean, I, I think those are all reasonable numbers that the Browns might have to pay. And I think the more they pay, the better the draft pick they get back is. You know, you're essentially buying a draft pick. Um, you know, but, you know, does it is $13 million, does that get you a third-round pick? Maybe, and to me, it's worth it because the Broncos just don't have any leverage, and I'm not sure they increase leverage by hanging on to Baker.
1: Well, if you take away the Deshaun Watson and real sports and that part of the story, the the headline this week is Jadavian Clowney, and that's good news. We have some, some good news to talk about.
0: It is, and, you know, there was a feeling the whole time that he was coming back, but nothing where, like, I felt completely comfortable assuming that because he talked to enough people that, you know, Jadavion Clowney's got some mercenary in him, right? He's gone for the big money um, in his past, right? The Browns were the fourth team in four years a year ago. So I don't think it was a given that he was going to return. You know, he talked about wanting to play somewhere warm and could somebody offer him more money? Now, NFL Network reports that he turned down more money um, from other teams. Um, we Jadavion did not talk yesterday, so I don't know if he would confirm that or not. But he came back to the Browns on a deal that's not super expensive. It's one year, $10 million Incentives can take it to $11 million. It's only a couple million more than he got last year. He played way better last year than he had coming in to 2021. He had nine sacks, a bunch of pressures, a couple forced fumbles. Stayed healthy mostly when he hadn't done that the previous few years. I think he had three sacks in the preceding two years, and he has nine last season. So he was a big-time player, and we've talked about this, Dave. That's where the Browns' number one hole was, like after the, the Deshaun Watson trade. If you look at this roster, it was, yeah, maybe they need a number two receiver. They probably could use some help at defensive tackle, but they certainly needed a number two defensive end. And while they added players, Alex Wright in the draft, um, Steven Weatherly and Isaac Rochelle in free agency, they traded for Chase Winovich. None of those guys seemed to fit as – the number two, right? The bookend to Miles Garrett. And bringing back Clowney does that, and it puts everybody else in kind of the spots where they belong. You know, can Winovich be that third, you know, the number three pass rusher kind of like Tack McKinley was a year ago? You let Alex Wright develop as a rookie and not be forced to play full-time minutes. So it, it was a huge signing at a premium position. <laughs>
1: All right, Scott, let's get back to
0: OTAs. What's the big highlight? Yeah, I I would say the biggest highlight, Chud, would be Greg Newsom. You know, and and it's not like it's headline-making news, but I'm writing a story about it today. Greg Newsom's going to be the nickelback. And, you know, he started last year, and he's still going to start. But when the Browns go to three cornerbacks, so when the other teams go three wide and the Browns go nickel, Greg Newsom, the second, is going to slide inside. And he's going to be um, that slot corner, and it, it, that's tough because it's it's not an easy position. Anthony Walker Jr. the linebacker called it the most. He's called it the tough position in football or on defense. I got to reread the quote, um, but it's difficult. You got the two way goes inside. You're placing. You're facing bigger receivers sometimes in the slot. You're also facing super quick receivers in the slot. Um, there's a lot of phys- physical contact in there. You have to come up and stop the run. The Browns feel like Newsom can do that, do both roles, start outside and then move inside. Um, But that's a significant thing. And the reason he's going to have to do that is because they traded Troy Hill during the draft after they drafted Martin Emerson Jr. to start their draft. Right in the third round, they took Emerson Jr. They traded um, Troy Hill, who I thought played pretty well at Nickelback last year, the next day. So that creates a void. The Browns, Kevin Stefanski keeps acting like the Browns have a bunch of possibilities in the slot but to me they don't to me it's kind of greg newsome and then then what because denzel ward probably could but he hasn't played in the slot um greedy Williams is probably too big to play in the slot same with a.j green emerson's tall and has never really played in the slot now maybe you can play john johnson the third the safety or ronnie harrison um junior the safety maybe you can play those guys in the slot so they probably have other options but as a true slot corner. Um, it feels like it's Greg Newsom, So I think that's a pretty big development. And Newsom talked about it. He said he likes playing in there. He likes being around the ball. I think he'll have more opportunities to make plays in the slot. Um, but that, I think that's a big deal is that they're going to play last year's number one, you know, last year's first-round draft pick in that role, which he did some last year when Troy Hill got hurt. Um, but the fact that it looks like they're going to start the season with him doing that, I think it's significant. About some uh, no-shows, Njoku not there. Yeah, you know, obviously Baker we talked about. Miles Garrett's not there, you know, and these are yeah. voluntary, right? So, you can't read too much into it. Joe Batonio wasn't there. You know, and if you probably took two guys on the roster that don't need to be there, it's Joe Batonio and Miles Garrett. So, I don't think that's anything to cons- concern yourself with. Um, Njoku, um, Mary Kay Cabot from Cleveland.com reported that, you know, he's staying away because he wants um, the long-term extension to get done. The Browns use a franchise tag on him to keep him off of free agency. Um, it feels like it, the deal's close. So something like we'll probably have done before, you know, at the latest before training camp, or actually, and the deadline's July 15th when they have to get it done um, because of the franchise tag rules. So it, that's interesting, right? I don't know if Njoku's done enough to prove that he deserves a multi-year extension, But the Browns have a lot of faith in him. They, you know, I think the franchise sags $11 million. That's a lot of money to pay a tight end. And then they, you know, dumped Austin Hooper. um, Went with David Njoku, who's their number one guy. So it's interesting. He's a young guy with a lot of potential, but he's been that way for his whole career. And I I think this is a year he needs to take a jump. But if you have a long-term extension, um, you know, again, I guess that removes some of the pressure of needing to take a jump this year. But the Browns are high on him. I just haven't seen that potential show up in enough production. Yeah. It's such an
1: interesting story with that guy. It, it, it's, it's hard to find another guy that has gone back and forth of wanting to be here, not wanting to be right. here. It's, it seems like they like him. You know, I, I, it's, it's the Njoku story has just been a wild one.
0: Yeah, you're right. And you know, he's so young, right? I think, I mean, they drafted him when he was 20, right? I'm looking yeah. it up right now. He's only, he, he's, his birthday July 10th. He'll turn 26. Right. So he's still got the best years ahead of him, you know, from a career standpoint. But you look at his numbers, his best year was 2018. He had 56 catches, 639 yards, four touchdowns. Like those aren't Pro Bowl numbers, right? But he's getting Pro Bowl money. And I get it. He's on your team. He's a first round draft pick. There's the Browns like him. Um, But again, I, and it's nothing against the Joker. I just, I need to see more. He just hasn't done enough. You know, now maybe you put him with Deshaun Watson, maybe he becomes this huge red zone target and breaks free. And I know the bronze are counting on him. You know, you look at the receiving core and I think part of it is, you go, Oh, we have David Njoku. So, um, you know, it seems like a prove it year, but if he gets that long-term extension, he wants, like I said, then it's not so much the it year that it normally would be when you play it out on the franchise thing.
1: Well, you make a great point there. You're right. A, a great quarterback can really make a huge difference for a player. Uh, you know, it, we, we, It'll, it'll be interesting to uh, uh, see how that develops for sure. So, all right, last thing I have for you, I'm going to put you on the spot. You ready? Yep. All right, it's coming up on Memorial Day weekend, right now, and I'm going to ask you this as the the weeks go on until we have a resolution: Who is starting at quarterback for the Cleveland Browns when they take on the Carolina Panthers in Week One?
0: Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can't debate that. Yeah, I mean, until unless we get a ruling that Watson's not suspended, that's going to be my answer. Yeah, just think I just think it makes too much sense to start the suspension at the beginning. You know, I I don't think, especially Roger Goodell the other day, the commissioner says the investigative part of it is wrapping up, right? So they're going to have the information they need excluding the the civil lawsuits, right? The trials. They're going to have the information they need so it's either to start the season or you wait. I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any reason or any scenario where something would come to light and they suspend him in the middle of the season. So um, that's why I would go for setting, you know, I, I just having a hard time with all the attention with the 22, right? The 22 civil lawsuits, 24 total accusations. I got a hard time believing the league won't suspend him at all. Now I could be wrong, but, you know, you kind of look at history, you look at what the league's done. Um, I feel like he'll get some kind of suspension and it will start week one. That's, that's where I'm at right now.
1: Well, unless you have anything else, Scott, I am going to say farewell and get ready for, uh, I, mean, I got to go to bed here soon. Uh, I got, uh, I got some, yeah, you got a few more things to do here um, before the night's over, but uh, I'll see you on go tomorrow morning on channel three before we head into a nice three day weekend. So enjoy the Memorial day weekend, my man.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Chuck. Um, Thanks for everybody for listening. You can read all my work at brownzone.com. And this has been the latest episode of the zone coverage podcast. Thanks.